And uh, I'm reading from Genesis 1. And then on to Genesis 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and the darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants or grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if I haven't said it to you already, Happy New Year. I hope you had a fantastic Christmas um, and, uh, and, and holiday time. We certainly did. Um, we ate a lot and we laughed a lot. Um, for me, um, the funniest moment in my household was when um, we, had, we had my son Tristan and his fiancée Steph uh, having Christmas lunch with us. And Kirsty and I had gone out of the room to get some coffees or something like that. And my 86-year-old mother turned to our future daughter-in-law, apparently, and uh, leant over to her and said, uh, you see that grandfather clock over there? And pointing to this heirloom that stands in the corner of the dining room. And she said, well, I don't think Kirsty likes it very much. And I think Pads only winds it up when I'm coming to lunch. Do you know the funny thing was she was 100% right in every detail, every single detail. 
<laughs> so that was, uh, there was a lot to laugh about. It was, it was fun. Anyway, let's pray before I begin. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this holiday, this Christmas season, where we had time to come together as family and friends and rejoice in your incarnation, your birth, and knowing as a result that you're with us here this morning by your Spirit. Speak to us and open our hearts and minds for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, as Tracy said last week, we were thinking a little bit about uh, New Year's resolutions, and I've been reflecting on the new year and wondering just what makes the difference between things actually being different and things just kind of carrying on in the same old vein. And the conclusion I came to was just one word, and that's faith. You see, it all depends on what you believe about God and his role in the world. If you believe that he brought the world into existence X years ago and then just left us to get on with it, then the only thing that might be different in 2018 to compared to 2017 is what we decide ourselves to do, what we strive to do in our own strengths. But as good as our own aims and our efforts might be, what I want to propose to you this morning is something much more exciting, which is that the clear message of Scripture and Christian experience of the last 2,000 years means the very good news that God not only created in the beginning, but he continues to create in the sense of bringing new things to birth in our lives, in his church, and in the world, and that we can get in on what he's doing and be part of the change. And as Christians, we have two very powerful things that help us, um, and uh, they make all the difference in the world, if you like, his word and his spirit. So let's just turn to our scriptures and see how these two things, word and spirit, impact on our lives and our world. And let's begin with Genesis 1. What a place to start the new year, hey? First verse of the Bible. (laughs) There are two ways in which God has acted and continues to act in relation to our world. The first thing is that he acts sovereignly, without any human involvement, all by himself, by his own powerful will. And in the creation story, that's exactly what he does. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you may not know this, but the biblical writers actually give him a different name to signify when he's acting like this. They use the word Elohim rather than the better known Yahweh, which we were singing earlier. And Elohim is the Hebrew which here in the context of God as creator, it emphasizes the kind of transcendent nature of God as the awesome and mighty creator. One biblical writer says that it can mean the supreme being over everything. And importantly, there are two aspects of God which are involved in the creation. Verse 2 says that the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the deep waters, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. God's Spirit is right there at the beginning, in on the act of creation. And what happens next? Well, 
God's word speaks the new creation into being. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. There they are, the two things, word and spirit, right at the beginning, together, bringing things into the world. And subsequently, life in the form of plants, fish, birds, animals, and ultimately, human beings. Because on the sixth day, Andrea read, God says, let us make mankind in our image. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we heard that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. We were singing that as well, weren't we? The bre- it's your breath in our lungs that gives us life. The Hebrew word that's used there for breath is ruach, which is similar in meaning to the Greek pneuma. And it interchangeably means breath or wind or spirit. And you might remember that in John's Gospel, in the resurrection accounts, the risen Jesus breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting is that the name used for God here for the first time as he breathes life into the first human being is Yahweh, the I Am, the personal God who is present with us. Yahweh emphasizes the aspects of God's character which denote relationship with humanity. And, in, and it's used in most of his dealings with people in the Bible. But please be assured, the Bible is absolutely clear about one thing. There is only one God. And there are different names that are simply used to emphasize different aspects of his character. So the agents of creation are God's word and his spirit. It's as if God's word brings things into being and the spirit gives them life. But was that just a one-off at the beginning? Absolutely not. As we read on through the Bible, in the Old Testament, God's word and spirit continue to come together at particular times and involving particular people to do something new in the outworking of God's plan for salvation. One example is when the Israelites have just escaped from Egypt out of slavery and they're traveling in the Sinai Desert and God gives Moses instructions to build the tabernacle, which is going to be a kind of mobile temple for use in worship until they get to the promised land. And God's word issues the instructions to Moses, but then the Spirit comes upon a man named Bezalel whose artistic talents are brought alive and transformed to create all of the beautiful artifacts that are used to build the tabernacle. Word and spirit are once again the two agents of creating something new. The Israelites ultimately arrive in the promised land and for a while they flourish and grow particularly under King David and for a while his son Solomon but they ultimately turn away from God and despite many prophets warning them of their demise they reject God's law and turn to worshipping useless idols and other so-called gods. And they are overrun by their enemies, sent into exile in Babylon, and only a few of them remain faithful to God and return to Jerusalem. Which takes us to our second reading, a few hundred years later. The Israelites who had returned to Israel from exile and rebuilt Jerusalem are now under the rule of the Roman Empire. But God still has a plan for the salvation of his people and through them the whole of humanity. And once again we see word and spirit creating and bringing something new into being. Mary, we're told in verse 18, was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. 
Luke's account of the birth of Jesus includes God's word coming to Mary first. But now the angel appears to Joseph, who is thinking of divorcing Mary. But the angel comes to Joseph to bring God's word onto that situation. And God tells Joseph that the baby will be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Names are important, as we've seen. And the name Jesus, which comes from Joshua, means the Lord saves. Word and spirit give human form to God in Jesus and prophesy his very purpose for coming to earth. He will save his people from their sins. And when Jesus does finally go to the cross to pay the ransom for the sins of the whole world, it is, as Paul writes to the Romans, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead who lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living in you. And so it is that the power of God's word and spirit by which we are saved from our sins and by which we will be raised from death to new and eternal life. And the good news is that for the rest of our earthly lives, God's word and spirit are freely given to us now so that things can be different. And Paul writes, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The power of God's word and spirit means that 2018 does not have to be the same as 2017. God is still creating. He is still transforming. He's still changing hearts and minds towards him. He's doing new things all the time. And he calls us, just as he called those first disciples, to live by his word and in the power of his spirit so that he can bring new things to birth through us. The New Testament describes a group of people, those first disciples, who came to form the early church, who were determined to live by God's word and in the power of his spirit. And the two always came together. In Luke 9, Jesus sends them out to Proclaim the good news, that's the word, and to heal the sick by the power of the Spirit. There are always these two elements, word and spirit, and God has given us both of those things. But if that's the case, how are we to put it into practice in our lives this year? And my simple answer to that is by faith, consisting of prayer and action. Praying, particularly praying from Scripture, is what aligns our will with God's will. That's how we find out what God wants us to do with our lives. It's what gives us the mind of Christ. And once we've prayed, then we can step out and act in whatever way we feel God is asking us to. Because if we act without praying, we'll probably fall on our faces. But if we pray without acting then our words of prayer are just empty. George Howells, the Welsh miner who became a great missionary and Bible teacher, said, we should be the first people to answer our own prayers. We shouldn't pray that somebody else would provide for someone in need if we're able to meet that need ourselves. It's not just prayer, it's action too. One of the reasons that we've called for this church day of prayer and fasting Uh, tomorrow is because we want to spend time in his word 
and in the presence of his spirit, seeking his will for St. Matthew's, praying for his kingdom to come, asking him to lead us, to guide us, and to bring new things to birth in accordance with his will. In short, we want to say, Lord, we want 2018 to be your year, not our year. And we'd love you to join us at one of the three prayer meetings that Tracy told you about at nine in the morning, 12.30 lunchtime, or eight in the evening. And if you're able to, to fast a meal. Um, uh, if you, I know that some people can't because you can be on medication or uh, there are one or two people who, unfortunately, if they miss a meal, actually end up fainting on the floor. I don't want you to do that. Um, but um, find something, as Tracy said, that you can fast, whether it's caffeine, TV, your mobile phone, or anything you usually rely on to get through the day. Um, give it up um, and instead turn to prayer. It's like writing your prayer in bold letters, fasting. It's not a magic formula, but it's acknowledging our reliance on God rather than on the things that we, the earthly material things that we normally rely on day to day. And it doesn't matter if you're not confident about praying in a group and you might feel, oh, I don't know whether I, I could come and join a group like that. That's fine. You can just sit in the group and pray silently in your heart. God will hear your prayers. So come and join us. And if you can't make it to church, do please find a space in your day when you can pray with us in spirit. So firstly, prayer. But what about action? Well, if you want to make a start and you don't know how to, then Lynn's idea is a very good idea. Do you know, there are a few special things that I do, in addition to all the things that you kind of normally expect a vicar to do, um, which particularly build my faith and uh, get me excited because I so obviously see God's hand on them. And one of them is the Alpha course. It's really hard to drag me away from the Alpha course because I love doing Alpha because I see people's faith coming alive for the first time. It's so exciting. But the first time I joined the Holiday Club, back in, I think it was spring 2012, it just blew my mind. I thought I was going to be running around after a hundred screaming kids, breaking up fights and generally being driven around the bend. But what I experienced was nothing of the sort. And in fact, nothing less than a a wonderful encounter with God. I remember... um, I remember the first holiday club, the, the, hall, the end of the first day, the hall was full of, of children. The back of the hall was packed with parents uh, who had come to pick up their children. And we had one worship song left to play. And the worship song was, um, was put your hands in the air. And we have all these um, uh, actions to all of the worship songs at holiday club. And there's a point in that song where everybody, all, where the children and all the team, kneel down like this in worship. And it was an amazing moment. I just looked across the hall and there were all of these children and all of the team just on their knees in worship. And it was like this this tingle went right through me. And and it was such a wonderful kind of Holy Spirit moment. And I've I've experienced those moments every single time um, at the holiday clubs um, when I've, I've gone along. I haven't missed one over the 12 holiday clubs that we've done. It's amazing. Several people actually take holiday from their day jobs to come and be on team because it's so exciting. If you want to see God at work, 
it's a great place to start. Even if you come for just one day, I can guarantee it will build your faith like few other things will. But of course there are other things, many other ways we can get involved in what God is doing. And so let's make 2018 a year when, you know, if you haven't got stuck in yet, then get stuck in. Join us for prayer tomorrow, whether you can get here or not, and then get stuck in because the Christian life is so much more exciting when we can see God touching, enriching and changing lives. Finally, just to finish up, I want to return to our first passage in Genesis 1. The earth was formless and empty. The Spirit of God was hovering over the water. I don't know if you've ever noticed those two adjectives, formless and empty. That was the state of the earth before God's creative word and spirit got to work. And over the next six days, God forms it and he fills it. It goes from formless to formed and from empty to filled. And for me, this serves as a wonderful kind of metaphor for Christian faith coming alive. You see, before I had faith, in many ways my life was formless. I was working hard, making money, bettering myself from a worldly point of view. But in many ways it was formless. It had no purpose other than just getting the things that I felt I and my family needed for ourselves. It was spiritually empty. I was the God of my life and not a very good one, I can tell you. And although I often felt unsatisfied, I couldn't for a long time put my finger on the problem. But the Spirit of God was hovering over this formless and rather empty heart and soul and waiting to bring new life. And in the end, one Sunday in March 2000, when I finally allowed God's Word and Spirit to enter my heart and my world, the combination was irresistible. And since then, God's love in Jesus by word and spirit has formed me and filled me. And the Bible tells me what I now know, that I am a child of God and a new creation. Let's all of us in 2018 determine to raise our faith, to dare to believe that if we pray and act in faith, we will find our faith growing and coming alive and see God move in new ways that we've never seen before. Amen.